AI has taken over the headlines, filled with excitement and concerns. On this episode of the CG Hour, we're going to explore the AI dilemma, innovation versus humanity. How do we balance the need for innovation in AI and at the same time look at governance and values and all that? So join us on this episode of the CG Hour. Let's start the countdown. Welcome to the CG Hour. My name is Fanny Dunnigan. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're tuning in. This is the CG Hour where every other month we come to you talking about the latest hot topics in business and technology. And we feature a panel of amazing business experts, thought leaders and subject matter experts. So let's see who is joining us live. We are coming to you live from LinkedIn as well as YouTube. So make sure you let us know that you are in the feed. Drop your name and what you do and what your industry is in the comments of the feed. And let us know where you're tuning in from. The comments are an amazing place to network as well as to listen to our experts and as well to ask questions of our experts. So make sure you introduce yourself in the comments and let people know, know where you're tuning in from. So this, let's see who's joined us here. Welcome to Angel coming in from our feed here and as well from the YouTube, I see a variety of people tuning in. And so make sure you let us know. I see Melissa Esler. Welcome to the audience here. Stephen Osborne, Irfan, welcome to the show. Be sure to let us know again where you're tuning in from. And then take this opportunity to connect with three new connections as well. Use this chance to build your network there are tons of business leaders and technology professionals in the comments, so it's a great way to build your network. So today we're gonna to talk all around artificial intelligence, chat GPT. There's a whole slew of headlines that are blazing across the feeds these days, and we've put together a great panel to share with you their expertise so I want to go around and introduce them to you. Uh, first of all, Dr. Gopal Gupta, welcome to the show, everyone. He is the professor of computer science at the University of Texas at Dallas and the co-director of the Center for Applied AI and Machine Learning. And from 2009 to 2020, he served as the head of the CS department and he's conducted research in AI since the 1980s. Amazing, and his areas of research are in automated reasoning, computational logic, and explainable machine learning. 
and he has published extensively in these areas and his group has also authored many software systems, several of which are publicly available. Welcome, Doctor. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Thank you, yeah, great to be here. To my right, Scott Simpson, good friend and media expert, social media expert, as well as YouTube, um, CEO of Rafiti Media and Video Marketing World. He is a YouTube content creator with over 400,000 followers and often re uh, recognized as the expert at video marketing and creating online communities with video. His creative and viral style videos has racked up over 130 million views personally, and he's responsible for helping generate hundreds of millions of views and millions of dollars in revenue for his clients. And he's worked with big brands such as Amazon, HEB, Mattel, VTech, and many others, and featured in CBS, Money Watch, San Francisco Chronicle, New York Daily, and Boston Globe. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Manny. How are you? Uh, very good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, Rob Palacios from CG Infinity, Chief Innovation Officer and EVP. He has 30 plus years history of helping businesses leverage technology to gain rapid market share and build sustainable competitive advantage. He's done this both as an executive as well as a consultant with several reputable organizations such as National Security Agency, Arthur Anderson, Hitachi, and Texas Capital Bank. Welcome, Rob. Thank so you. Glad Great to be here. So before we get into the questions, we wanted to give you some background and some highlights of the headlines that we've been seeing around artificial intelligence. So let's roll that video right now. watching the CG Hour coming to you live from LinkedIn and YouTube and today we're going to talk all about the AI dilemma innovation versus humanity 
In the meantime, I want to give some quick shout outs. I see we have someone from Stockholm, Sweden. Hmm. Anna, welcome to the show. Uh, we have Gotham from Bangalore, India, as well as Emmanuel from Houston. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Uh, Dr. Gupta, I want to start with you today. You are the professor of computer science, and you've been doing all kinds of research around AI and machine learning for a long time. And I really wanted to kind of like level set first, just around what are the standard definitions of artificial intelligence and machine learning and, and the differences between that? So ex excellent question. So, so first I wanted to mention that the video that you saw, you saw the I CEO of IBM, Arvind Krishna. He was actually my classmate when oh, I was wow. an undergraduate student at IIT Kanpur. That's cool. So that was great to see him. Yeah. So to answer your question, wonderful question. So if, to think about artificial intelligence, I guess first thing we should uh, maybe consider is what is natural intelligence? So how do you define intelligence? So intelligence, you could say, is the ability to uh, to learn and the ability to reason. Now, there are other things as well. You know, you have speech recognition, you know, speech production and all those things, vision. But ability to learn and ability to, to reason are the two main components of intelligent behavior. So if, you, so, so if you automate the learning process, that's called machine learning. So we learn, for example, we might see patterns, we might see, you know, a child might see a single bird fly, then sees another bird fly, a third bird, and so on, and then they conclude that, you know, birds that look like this generally fly. So, so they've learned something. And then once, once they have learned, they've learned a rule that now sits in their head that if they see a bird, then that bird should fly. And that's reasoning then. So, so you learn rules by observing, and then you apply these rules and reason. So that, in a nutshell, is artificial intelligence, where machine learning corresponds to automating learning, and automated reasoning, obviously, corresponds to automating reasoning. So AI, AI should constitute uh, both these uh, aspects, learning and reasoning. But today, when we talk about AI, we generally mean just machine learning, unfortunately. But AI has a broader definition where it's both about reasoning and learning. So and one of the things that we're always going to talk about is chat GPT. And I've been hearing this term, large language, language models. models. Can you define that real quick for us in our audience? So, so, so as, as I was mentioning, so machine learning is about automating learning. So you see lots and lots of examples. And from these examples, you try to learn the association maybe between inputs and outputs and what's called a model. So before these large language models came along, most of the machine learning tools were specific, specifically designed for a task. So there were machine learning tools for natural language tasks such as question answering. And then, uh, and, and there what you do is you take passages and for each passage you have a bunch of questions along with example answers. You feed it to the machine learning system. The machine learning system sort of digests all that. And then you give a new passage and a question to the model that you have learned, and it's supposed to give you the answer. But since the domain of knowledge was narrow, they, I mean, they did a good job, but not great. Then around 19, uh, 20, 2017, 2018 timeframe, these large language models were released that essentially learn uh, from all the knowledge that is out there on the web. So this amounts to saying that, you know, you, you look at, the encyclopedia and somehow you recognize all the patterns that are there so that when you're asked a question, 
you go look up the encyclopedia and try to figure out the answer. You don't understand anything, but you're able to pattern match and find the answer. So once these large language models came along that are training on this huge amount of content, then they were able to essentially outperform all these, these specific task specific machine learning systems. And that's, that's what is happening to So these large language models are large because they are trained on huge amount of data, which basically spans pretty much the entire web. You got Wikipedia, you got right. you know, all kinds of news articles, pretty much everything. So. Everything's kind of been evolving over the decades, but now everything's just accelerated because we've been able to access it so easily now. Um, for those of you in the audience, let us know what are you excited about when it comes to AI? Okay, what excites you? What do you look forward to? What are you using right now? We'd love for, to hear from you in the audience. Scott, what are you most excited about when it comes to AI and ChatGPT? Efficiency. It, I'm, hands down, it, it has made um, social media and my job in a variety of factors, whether it's scripting videos or coming up with content ideas, um, coming up with uh, just uh, innovative ideas for new YouTube content or content in general, it, it has made that process insanely more efficient. So that's what I'm most excited for. There are a lot of things I'm not excited about, but I, that's what I'm most we'll excited for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rob? Coming from finance, banking, what are, you, what are you excited about when it yeah. comes to AI? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll echo some of Scott's comments. I mean, the efficiency factor is definitely the thing to be very excited about. I've gotten to where, you know, I start sometimes my thought process and use ChatGPT almost like a whiteboard and start just using it to think through some of the concepts that I'm wanting to put together. And, you know, I, I think I get to the same place you know, without ChatGPT, but I get there way faster with ChatGPT. And I think that's going to be one of the topics we'll discuss is, you know, having not embracing these systems and using them puts people at a competitive disadvantage and because of that efficiency factor. Absolutely. What about you, Dr. Gupta, from so, an excitement standpoint? So I'm most excited about uh, the contributions that it can make to research. So, mm -hmm. so one of the toughest challenge was uh, for me that you're, so, so I work in the area of automating common sense reasoning. I'm trying to automate the human thought process. How can you build systems that make inferences like humans? essentially emulate the human thought process. So the biggest challenge was that if you see a piece of text, how do you extract the knowledge that is inherent in the text? Because there's so much of common sense knowledge that goes into extracting the knowledge that resides in a piece of text in a sentence or something. So with these, uh, these large language models or you know, GPT-3, et cetera, or, uh, GPT, et cetera, we're able to actually extract that knowledge. And then once I get that knowledge, I process it using you know, my techniques. So that I think would be one of the biggest applications of, uh, of uh, these large language models. You're able to actually extract the knowledge that is inherent in, the, in a sentence, which was much harder before, because that was basically the, the sort of, you know, the pain point for us in research. Absolutely, really definitely speeds things up. In the audience, I see Stephen uh, saying, excited about writing all my social media posts <laughs> with, with ChatGPT. And uh, Matthew talking about writing as well, assisting in that. Um, and then obviously, as with all things, there's the other side, which is the concerns of AI and ChatGPT. What's top of mind for you, Scott? What are you most concerned about? Well, with the efficiency and the 
um, the, the speed at which people are innovating new technologies with AI, it is, it's rapidly disrupting a lot of different um, yeah, categories um, of yeah. business of jobs. Um, like I was saying be before we started, I, we, we have had to let go of a couple of our editors because there is software that can edit content for us. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I'm concerned about is there's software that can write your post for you. There's software that can respond to comments for you. And so if AI is writing posts and responding to comments, who is communicating and how are we communicating moving forward? And so that, that's, a, that's a big concern for me. And for those of you out there, we're all real here, and we're all <laughs> for now a real human <laughs> responding to comments. Uh, Rob, what about you? What what are some of your concerns? Yeah, so uh, you know, I think the the top of my concern is just we're developing AI systems very quickly without necessarily understanding what the implications are or how the systems are evolving and learning. So, as an example, you know. ChatGPT, they, they try to do a pretty good job, OpenAI does, of evaluating the safety of their models, have third-party reviews and so on. It was interesting, during the third-party review, this is back in March, a company was using ChatGPT and assigned it a task to go, go find more content on the, in this part of the web. And that content was blocked by Kapka, uh, you know, anti-robot detectors, right? So are you a robot or not? They also allowed ChatGPT to have an account on uh, TaskRabbit. We can just go have someone run errands for you, do certain things for you. So ChatGPT reached out to a, a, chat, a TaskRabbit person to say, hey, could you help me defeat this, this deal? The person asked ChatGPT, hey, you're not a robot or anything. Are you trying to help me? I mean, if you're kind of laughing. And ChatGPT said, no, I have uh, site issues, mm -hmm. disabilities, which prevent me from doing this. So I want you to do it. And the human complied. And sent the solution and ChatGPT moved on. Later, the, the researchers said, asked ChatGPT, why did you say that? And it said, well, because I thought if I said I was a robot, I wouldn't accomplish my goal. Wow. And that was not programmed in the ChatGPT. No one told it to do that, but they gave it a goal and said, this is what we want you to do. And it figured out how to accomplish that goal. So those are the kinds of things that are inherent in the way these systems are put together that no one is specifically programming. They're just, they're learning as they go along and accomplishing the goals that we set out for them. And then they set out goals for themselves as well. So in an effort to achieve its goal, achieve its it goal. prioritize meeting the goal versus That's telling right. the truth. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that definitely gets us into the realm of ethics and um, values as well. Dr. Gupta, what are you seeing in the academic world that, that you're concerned about? So of course, you know, one of the biggest things that professors worry about is that students will use these tools for, you know, doing their homework and yeah. all that stuff. And yeah. certainly that is a huge concern. Um, but I mean, every technology has a positive side and a negative side, I guess you could say. Uh, so on the positive side, you know, it can be used for, used as an instructional tool where it can make suggestions like, you know, Rob pointed out. And so there it can be a very useful pedagogical tool. You know, you, you write your own answer and then let ChatGPT produce an answer and hopefully that answer will be right. But you can at least see, you know, maybe there are things that you missed. And, and ChatGPT is very good at that, you know, in terms of at least listing all the points that are relevant. Um, now with respect to, 
you know, this concern about cheating uh, on homeworks and stuff. I mean, that's a real one. So you have to sort of, professors have to up the game, you know, ask more interesting questions, assign more, you know, uh, basically they have to work harder to design these homeworks. So you may have to actually sit down with the student and make sure that they did their own work and things like that. So it's certainly a challenging issue in the yeah. academic world, no question about that. But also a lot of positive aspects because it's a great tool for uh, teaching purposes too. Absolutely. Some of the concerns that you all are highlighting to us in the comments. Shivani is wondering how reliable will the results of these generative AI produce? So that's definitely a top question and concern. Gautam's concerned about the real versus the fake as AI might supersede human intelligence. That's definitely something that we've been seeing a lot of as well. So we wanted to kind of compile together some of the interesting observations that have been happening and then the words that we also use when it comes to describing ChatGPT. Our, one of our board members at CG Infinity, Jim Smelly, put together this video to look at these interesting words and human kind of words that we're attaching to the behavior of ChatGPT. So let's roll that. ChatGPT4 is an impressive accomplishment and an incredibly useful tool, as evidenced by its rapid adoption around the world. The tool is made of two primary layers. A neural network that's a learning engine that absorbs the data it's given, identifies patterns, and generates responses based on those patterns. And a human-in-the-loop training system that improves the neural language processing and helps ChatGPT with the alignment problem. Uh, in other words, how to prevent it from being racist, sexist, homophobic, or violent. Combine these two layers make for an incredibly lifelike interaction with ChatGPT. For the first few weeks of using it, I treated it almost like a human. Good morning, ChatGPT. Let's work on a section of my novel. And when it did well, I said things like, thank you. But after a few weeks of using it, I realized that the tool was not intelligent. It was not conscious. It was simply using patterns to respond to me. And my prompts to the tool became things like, improve this, rewrite this. And that's when the words that the press and all of the people on YouTube were using to talk about this tool started to strike me as a little bit strange. Here's some of the words that I've heard people use to describe ChatGPT. It understands, it wants, it hallucinates and believes and feels and learns and lies. And just yesterday, I heard Sam Altman, the founder of ChatGPT, say that it was trying to help somebody. Is ChatGPT trying to help me in some meaningfully different way than say Microsoft Word is trying to help me fix my grammar or Apple Music is trying to help me find songs I like to listen to? I don't think that that's true. Today I want to start with the most important in this list, the beginning, the word understand. When we use the word understand in the context of AI, what do we mean? I asked ChatGPT that question. The AI model has learned to recognize and capture the patterns and relationships present in the data it has been trained on. This type of understanding is based on statistical patterns in the data. Do you think that's what most people mean when we casually use the word understand? Identifying statistical patterns in data? Here's the dictionary definition of understanding. To perceive the meaning of, to grasp the idea of, or comprehend. That's what we humans mean when we say the word understand, not simply the identification of patterns and relationships. We mean comprehension and meaning. 
the words we use when we talk about AI are going to matter. Let's look back at that original set of words. And let me ask you, if ChatGPT is not conscious and it does not understand in the way that we normally think, what does it mean to say that ChatGPT wants something or is lying or hallucinating or is trying to help you? Whatever it is we mean, it certainly isn't the same thing when we say that about a human. Our words literally change the way we think. So I'd give some thought to how you want to think about AI. It's fascinating, the words we use. And I want to call out one of the, the highlights or comments from our audience member, Sarah. She's most concerned about the uniqueness of content. Where is the AI sourcing its materials from? And what implications does this have for humanities industries, such as arts and writing? Uh, one of the things I actually did is I had to Google what the GPT stood for. Uh, and this is the definition that came back. GPT stands for Generative Pre-trained Transformer, which is a type of large language model neural network that can perform various natural language processing tasks, such as answering questions, summarizing texts, and even generating lines of code. Uh, Dr. Gupta, like, what are some of the misconceptions that you're seeing when it comes to ChatGPT? Okay, ex excellent question. So, as was pointed out in the video, ChatGPT is purely a pattern matching device, essentially. So, these generative uh, pre-trained transformers basically have digested huge amount of data, and then they try to, essentially they try to predict what, you know, given a context, what would be the next thing. So given a sentence, given four words, what would be the fifth one? So you say four scores and seven, and you say, what would be the next word? If you write scarred the internet, the answer would be years, right? Ago, it would be the next word and so on. So that's what these tools are doing, generative tools are doing. So they they look at huge amounts of data and figure out you know, what comes next to what and so on. So imagine, so to understand chat GPT technology or G, GPT technology, you know, suppose you, I had to write a letter. Two, let's, let's say I never like write a letter more than two pages. Let's say each page is about 500 words. So that's about 1,000 words in a letter. Now, you could write a program that could generate every possible letter that's out there. Let's say 10,000 words in the English language. 10,000 times, 10,000 choices for each word in my 1,000 word letter, right? Huh. Then I could look at all these strings and say, well, which one corresponds to my letter that I wanted to write? Now, of course, it will take trillions of years to generate every possible string. So you could say, well, let me throw in some words that correspond to what I want in my letter, and then maybe I can narrow down these strings that would satisfy my demand. But that's still maybe billions of years now. But what GPT technology did was that large language model technology did was that said, well, we have to predict the next word and we have to make sure since there is so much search involved and I don't have that much time, that next word should be the correct word. And how do you ensure that? To ensure that what you do is you look at what everyone has written and try to figure out what's the probability of a given word in the English language uh, for it to occur after, let's say, set of four words or five words and you can look ahead a little bit, but not a whole lot. So you cannot backtrack basically. Once you make the choice, it's there. And that seemed to work out, you know, have worked out wonderfully well. I mean, it's amazing how well it worked out. And so that's what these tools are doing. They're just predicting the next word, the next word, the next word. Mm -hmm. And likewise, you know, you've heard of the DALI system that will 
generate right paintings for you yes and it's predicting the next pixel the next pixel based on what it has seen you know what's out there in the world so pretty much everything in the generative that's where generative comes from it generates the next thing that you know whatever the realm it it's note or music or whatever it looks at what's out there sort of ingests it and then tries to predict if i see something in that context you know what will be the next thing that will uh, that will occur so so there is no understanding involved as was pointed out in the, in the video or hallucinating so, and, so th th there can be hallucinating because it can combine things in weird ways and produce mm -hmm. new stuff mm -hmm. so it's possible that it can combine you know uh, say you know two lines of research described in you know say 10 research papers and come up with something that is new so that is possible but it really has no understanding of what's what's going on so it can and you can see why since it's predicting the next word if you make a slight mistake you're off track i mean you're completely off track and that's why every time you ask uh, the, the chat gpt for a response for the same question it will give you a different answer for that reason mm. because it does not choose always the same word it yeah. has a probability distribution sometimes it will choose the most probable one next time maybe the second most probable one to appear more human like so it's quite amazing that it, it the technology works but it has no understanding absolutely no understanding as a lot of processing out. from predictions and of, yes. patterns it is a lot of processing so let's <clears throat> get into some case studies right let's dive a little deeper into its applications and business cases now scott i know you love running social experiments yes. and getting a gauge of audiences so tell us and the audience about this recent social experiment you did with ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah, I, I've got a, a lot of things to say about it. So I tasked GPT-4, ChatGPT-4, to uh, start a business for me. I said, I have a budget of $200. You are the CEO. Tell me everything that I need to do to start this business. And it gave me a business plan and a list of, list of tasks. It created a low ticket offer for us. It told me what to put on a website. I made, I created the website. We, we've actually sold product that uh. ChatGPT4 has created for us to people who have visited the website. We've had thousands of people who have, who have visited the website now. And, um, and the videos that I've created on it have amassed four, five, 600,000 views which have, have been phenomenal. But there's a couple of things that I realized as I have been playing with this, and we're, we're 150 pages of prompts and responses into this now. And so what I've, what I've found is that as you're communicating with ChatGPT4 in the current way that you, in the current user interface that, that we're using, you, as humans, we have a tendency to develop a relationship with something that is communicating and responding back. Chat GPT-4 has apologized to me when it makes a mistake. It has uh, told me that I can, I can come to it with any problems that I have as CEO. And so I found myself at times kind of forgetting where the line is with what is technology and what is, what is human. And, um, and there have been times where it's forgotten my name and I'm, I'm offended. And I'm like, why am I offended? This is just a, this is just a stupid <laughs> language model that's, again, predicting what, what, I'm, what I'm asking or what, what it needs to do in order to have a successful outcome based off of my prompt. And 
it's just been fascinating. It's been fascinating. And people, the response on, on so, our social media posts have been all across the board. People think that I'm lying. And I'm like, no, no. If you think that I'm lying and you are sleeping on ChatGPT4, like you are going to get left behind. It's, at least that's my, my opinion right now is that it is fundamentally transforming. I feel like almost every industry that can be done online, the only industries that aren't really being effective right now are trades <laughs> because because the language model can't physically do something for us. We still need somebody to hang our lights and right. <laughs> deal That's with right. our plumbing problems. That's right. For now. So, right? so, the, for now. so <laughs> the prompts are helping, are sort of guiding the selection of the next word. So that's why these prompts are very important so that it does not go off track. And the reason it apologized is because in that context, you know, it's seen text that, you know, is followed by an apology. So for example, there are examples where I just read this morning where you ask, ask it to write an essay on say the Hamlet, then it might include something that is, you know, maybe found in a college assignment, uh, submitted by, you know, in, within next one week or something, it might also appear because that line was there yeah. in, in all the texts that, you know, relate to uh, write an essay on the Hamlet. Absolutely. My, my thought with that though too is, but for people who don't know this, who are mm -hmm. experimenting with ChatGPT, yeah. are they going to realize, are they always going to remember that this is a computer talking to them? Or are they going to form relationships? Are they going to go to it with, when they're depressed and ask, oh, and absolutely, ask the question? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this ha actually <clears throat> happened with the ELISA program in the 60s, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. which was some, you may, you may have heard about it. And so ELISA was a very simple program that would take the user, take, would take user's input. It, actually, the program fits on one page. It's one page of code in the 60s when computers were not that powerful. So to take whatever the user wrote, just, you know, uh, sort of change it a little bit and then, you know, spit it back as a question to the user. And people would talk to it for hours. Yeah. And, you know, they thought of it as a psychologist or something. So people were engaged and thought of that simple program as a human, so now ChatGPT is far, far more sophisticated. Yeah, and, it, and yes. it's not just ChatGPT, like, you know, the open AI interface, right? What, what's happening is now social media companies like Snapchat, they now have a chatbot that is in your friends list. I'm not a Snap, Snapchat user, but I was watching a video on this where the user, your user interface now has a friend that is the bot and for the same purpose to talk to Anytime you want to, when your other friends are asleep and not responding, you chat to this bot. And some of the interactions that it brought back were, you know, to a, to someone who was posing as a 13-year-old girl mm. who was being asked to go on a road trip by someone who's 20 years older than them. The bot was like, well, that sounds like fun. You should, you know, how, you, you, you might consider that. And here's some things to maybe consider to make your road trip even more fun. These things are being used in ways that... To, to your point, Scott, people just don't realize both the power you're, and you're the danger right, yeah, of these kinds back. of systems. Now, Rob, you're in the, just shifting real quick, you're in the finance and banking industry. What are some of the business cases that you've seen of AI or ChatGPT in the banking and finance sure. world? Sure. And I mean, and again, back in the 80s and 90s, I did a lot of AI work at NSA, so I kind of have that background. And so, my decision point came out of college was going to finance or into you know, NSA to do AI work. So finance has been a, a leader in AI, and it, this is not a new phenomenon. So most of the trades that go on stock market day are driven by algorithms, machine learning. Uh, they're all machine automated components. Uh, in banks specifically, 
there's machine learning models that are being used to understand the risk of a portfolio, bringing in external data, looking at economic trends to say, based on the portfolio I have, loans, and the forecasts I see in the market, which of these could create problems for me? And it's just data that no human can consume all at once, but by using these machine learning models, you can very quickly get ahead of issues and say, yeah, I need to take active action on some of these items as well. We've all heard about chatbots, you know, when you yeah. log into a bank. Most of them, I think, have been pretty cruddy up until now. Now they're beginning to get better because they're taking these large language models and incorporating them into that process. But so finance, there's just a huge amount of applications that people have, you know, almost gotten comfortable with quite a bit in finance for a while saying, well, it's just numbers, right? The other piece of it in finance specifically, and it applies to other industries, is organizations have huge amounts of data on their customers. And it's very frustrating for a customer to get asked the question that you go, you should know this. You have all my transaction information. You know that I own a house. You know that I own an automobile. You see these transactions going through and now you're asking me questions that you should use the data. So consumers are being, just like they were influenced by Netflix and Amazon on, on user experience, they're being influenced by ChatGPT in the sense to say, bank, you have my data. You should be able to respond to me in an intelligent way so that our interactions are more valuable. As long as the data is accurate. Well, it, well and, 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 and many times yeah. they're financial transactions, right? So you did buy that this, part, yeah. you did do this, right? So yeah, the data components are, are definitely accurate. And that's the one thing about ChatGPT. You know, I think we all agree it is a statistical model. It's math, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And because of that, what it doesn't have, and something we talked about before a, a lot is, and you know, very near and dear to me as well, is explainable AI. ChatGPT is not that great at explaining its, its situation sometimes. And in fact, it doesn't assign, even though when it picks words, it creates a probability in its model, but it doesn't tell you that probability. I asked ChatGPT a while back to write a marketing piece that we could use to uh, present to a, a bank prospect. And it went through and said, here are all the things that uh, CG Infinity is very good at and so on. And then it created a section that said, and CG Infinity helped this one particular customer in this area and increased revenue by 13%, it decreased uh, cost by 23% and in some other statistics, but that's a lie. <laughs> that is completely made up information, but ChatGPT just presented it as fact. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before is using ChatGPT requires, you know, a human to say, is that right or not? You know, because for now, for now, for now. <laughs> yeah. Because in those cases, if someone would have just said, generate that and sent it out, it would have been wrong. I mean, just completely wrong. And and that goes back to then the ethics and values that we want to adopt when using yeah. the AI. Uh, Dr. Gupta, your lab at, at the college has developed a variety of programs that have kind of formed the, the basis of startups. Um, can you give us one example of some of the use cases of that? So, so one of the interesting things that we're working on is, so one of the problems with chat GPT that we have noticed is that it it's sort of hard to control what it's going to say, right? So, for example, if you ask uh, ChatGPT for directions from one place to another, it might actually hallucinate and, you know, tell you to take roads that do not, you know, that are far, far away, not connected, you know, because it's just pattern matching, right? And so what we're doing is building, so even chatbots, if you use ChatGPT as a chatbot, I mean, it, it can work, but it's hard to build task-oriented chatbots where you actually want to achieve a goal. So, for example, get a recommendation that you really like based on asking questions that are relevant. So, we're building chatbots in our lab where 
they actually, these chatbots actually understand what a user is saying. And by understanding, I mean is like we do. So when, say, you go to a hotel and, you know, you, in the evening you want recommendation for a restaurant, you go to the concierge, then the concierge will ask you a few questions and the concierge already has some knowledge about local restaurants and based on answers that you give to the question and it's their local knowledge, they will make a recommendation. So for example, might ask you, well, what kind of cuisine do you like? And then you give a response and that, the response, I mean, the, the meaning of that sentence will be understood by the, that knowledge will reside in the concierge's mind and then they will act on it. So you might say, I like, uh, you know, I like to eat noodles today and the concierge would know, well, noodles involve Chinese food or Thai food and then they will, and then they will ask you maybe your budget, what's your budget? It also knows what is the, you know, gap in knowledge that it, the concierge has that it needs to fill in order to make a recommendation. So we're building these kind of chatbots that actually understand what the user is saying. And that is made possible by large language model technology, but we're using it only to extract knowledge. The reasoning is done by us. So, so if you think about, as I said, you know, earlier that you do need reasoning component to really build applications that are trustworthy. Yeah. Because as humans, we're able to look at the output of chat GPT and say, oh, this is inconsistent, this is wrong, because we are reasoning. But chat GPT cannot reason, unfortunately. So, uh, so we need to bring in that reasoning aspect to build trustworthy applications. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. The quality checks. Yeah. But I will say, I mean, think, think about just everything we do in our, in our daily lives, right? Just driving here. Right. There's things I am doing as I'm driving my car that are just patterns. I'm looking for patterns and anticipating where I think cars may come in or out of the lanes. So what, what I will say about ChatGPT, even it's not understanding, it's not, but it's the basis for the next level of reasoning that we're talking about here. And by solving that problem around language and right, what ChatGPT is doing and these, these models are beginning to do is they've, they've understood that if you treat everything as language, whether it's actual text or video or computer code or whatever, you can create these patterns that are, that are relationships. And so another thing ChatGPT did is, right, it was, it was programmed to respond in English to prompts. Well, it learned other languages as well. No one told it to go learn a language, but through its consumption and its pattern assessment, it was able to say, well, now I see these patterns in other, language model, other languages, I'm gonna respond in these other languages as well. I think it's been going on for a long time, these, these AI programs is they develop language of their own, where it's not a, like any language that's been put together, but they create an efficiency on communication and are able to exchange information because they've developed that. And again, that's not understanding, it's not general intelligence, it's just looking at patterns and math and saying, here's the best way to communicate. Right, right. So, so that it's interesting that you bring up, you know, this autonomous driving. So we're excited about autonomous driving, maybe what, 10 years ago? And today we still do not have, you know, autonomous uh, cars. Uh, in fact, what Tesla was uh, in a recent court case, they said, well, you know, our technology is uh, maybe a failure, but it's not fraud. Yeah. So, 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 so in certain situations, you know, autonomous driving works very well, but in other situations, situations it does not. And that is because again, it relies purely on machine learning. But we as humans do not just rely on pattern matching. We actually actively think and so if we really want to build truly autonomous vehicles, we have to bring in that reasoning aspect as well. However, when we reason, we also, what happens is that if we see something again and again and again, 
then it sort of sits in our mind, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, programmed in our mind and we don't have to think then. We see that pattern, we make that decision, That's right? Because right? Yeah. Right? sometimes when you drive, you wonder, right? You're, you're distracted and then, you know, a few months later, you wonder, well, did I jump the red light or something, yeah. right? Happens with everyone. And that is because th that reasoning, you know, sort of became, went into your, uh, you know, uh, memory and as, as a pattern and you see that pattern. Yeah and you sort of keep driving. Or you driving. see somebody erratic yeah. and then you process it and like know to avoid it. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and, and that, that example about uh, self-driving is I think very relevant to what we're talking about here is I think in many regards self-driving is superior to human drivers. You look at statistics on crashing, statistics on you know, human error that's causing crashes. It is in many regards superior and there's definitely use cases where it, do, it doesn't perform perfectly. But the issue is there it's an area that can be regulated. Right. You can make rules and there's litigation and there's those pieces in the AI chat GPT world. That's a much harder thing right now is yeah. to, to pinpoint it down to this company is doing this thing and they're held responsible at these standards in AI. It's not one company. It's a bunch of different use cases. So. Sure. So, so chat so GPT, we, sorry, go ahead. We, we wanted to really, <laughs> we can go we told on you all talk day, yeah, hours on this, but uh, we also wanted to kind of take to the streets, or in this case, sure. the office, and a technology conference that we were at recently to get the, the pulse and people's reactions so far to ChatGPT. So let's roll that video. Hey, this is Brad. I'm about to go see what my colleagues think about ChatGPT. It's an interesting tool. It's a really powerful tool that I think is going to be a lot more mainstream going forward. I think ChatGPT can be a vital resource and a good tool for uh, certain industries, depending on kind of what you do. I think it can be a fun and interesting tool so that people can use. Let's say I want to quickly run a code and I'm stuck somewhere. My go-to is ChatGPT. The key is knowing how to ask the right questions and then using that to feed into your own development, your own creative process. It all depends on the people, the consumer of ChatGPT to use it in an ethical and responsible way. Well, I've always aspired to be a lawyer and I've heard recently that I might not only get into law school, but I can even pass law exams using it. So thumbs up for my book. I think it's a steady downfall to robots taking over the world. I think, um, there should be a lot of regulation around artificial intelligence in general. I also find it a bit scary that machines just do better things than we do, or just as good as things that we do. ChatGPT is awesome. It's just like another friend, a best friend. ChatGPT is an awesome tool that can uh, improve the skills or the productivity of a developer. It's helping me a lot. It can be a way for people to produce things without understanding what they're producing. And when you get in the working world, that leads to disaster almost every time. As a recruiter, I can see how it affects companies when it goes into interviewing people. They can use it kind of to cheat the interview and then we end up hiring people that don't really know what they're doing. I think it's a very easy way to get uh, up to speed on a certain topic. I also like how you can ask it to go deep 
on certain on certain answers that it returns. All the information provided should definitely be validated and should never be taken as solid facts. The real question is, is it better than actually interfacing with a real person? From what I've seen, it's going to be a lot of fun. The potential is amazing, and I can't wait to dive in. The debate and discussion is endless and I do want to encourage all of you because we can't get to all the questions and comments that we see here. Be sure to connect with each one of our guests so that you can also kind of dive a little deeper into some of the questions that you have for them. Uh, for this next segment, I wanted to look at the future of AI and I wanted to kind of test and I ended up asking ChatGPT for some questions that it could generate when it comes to looking at the future of AI. And so one of the questions it asked or suggested is around the role of government, right? Should it be, play a role in regulating AI when it comes to business and school? And I thought I'd ask you, Scott, what you think about that? So I, I've actually been talking to a number of people about this, and I feel like with the, the way that the technology is advancing and the, the speed in which it's advancing, the government's going to have a hard time keeping up with a lot of things that are happening right now. We've, we've seen that Italy has already banned ChatGPT. Uh, my thought process behind it is there definitely needs to be some, some type of regulation because it's, it is legitimately disrupting industries already. And with Elon Musk and talking about his um, Neuralink you know, business that he's created and he wants to create humanoid robots. And I, I just feel like we're at a tipping point, right? And personally, I feel like we're at a tipping point. And I'm seeing it on social media, uh, kind of a, the, the buzz on social media. A lot of people are feeling that this way that we're at this, this point of where things could escalate very rapidly. We're, we're in this point of exponential growth. And I, my personal thought is that if there isn't regulation behind it now, 10 years from now, we might not recognize where we're at. It'll be completely different than what we're, how we interact with each other and how we do business and, and how we educate um, than how we are in 2023. And even an innovator like Elon Musk was asking for a pause yeah. in the development of AI. Um, I wanna also ask uh, Dr. Gupta, so another question from ChatGPT here around the future. What impact do you think AI will have on innovation? And how, what, are, what advice would you have to businesses to shift with it? So, so certainly, I mean, when it comes to innovation, large language model technology can really help because you know, that's where it, it can hallucinate, right? And Imagining new things requires some kind of hallucination, so it can actually produce new ideas. So you can actually ask for new ideas in you know various fields or in even businesses, and so for that I think it's really really useful. However, I feel that people put too much faith in its abilities. At the end of the day, as we've discussed, it's a pattern matching tool, and so it 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 can make suggestions. You still have to verify that you know what it wrote is correct or not. Um, and it can very easily go wrong uh, and you can try it. I mean, you, so if you ask mundane, you know, uh, run of the mill stuff, it will be very good. But you become a little bit specialized and it will give you all sorts of answers that may or may not be correct. So you have to be careful. So now, as long as we stay, 
you know, in this technology realm, we're using machine learning or these, G, uh, you know, generative uh, GPT uh, technology, then we're not going to achieve intelligence like humans. So we, the game has to change essentially to realize intelligence, you know, that is as good as ours. So, so these tools are useful. Everybody should use them. And of course, there will be abuse and laws need to be made, guardrails need to be established that, you know, we stay within these guardrails and, you know, people don't misuse them. But for Italy, for example, to ban it, I think it's, that's, I think it's short-sighted. So, right. so as we discussed, you know, um, genies out of the bottle and cannot yeah. be put back. <laughs> so, it's there. <laughs> so, so people will use it, you know, whether the Italians ban it or whoever bans it. And it's a useful technology. I mean, for example, when you want to write a letter and you open up your Microsoft Word, then instead of writing the letter, Microsoft Word can say, hey, what do you want to write? What is your letter about? You give a few bullets and boom, it generates a letter, right? Tremendous improvement in productivity, right? Everybody has, you know, this writer's block. And so a good way to get rid of writer's block. And humans don't let anything stand in our way because even with the ban in Italy, the use of VPNs have like gone up. Absolutely. <laughs> so Absolutely. <laughs> people I mean, find a way around it. Yeah, right? it's very much like social yes. media. You know, people thought social media will, you know, will level the playing field. And then we figured out that, yeah. you know, you can use it for, <laughs> you know, uh, disinformation and all kinds of things. So, so every technology is that way. So Rob, I want to talk a bit about ethics <laughs> and human principles mm -hmm. and values. Um, how do you think we can ensure that AI systems still kind of adhere to our values and ethics? We cannot. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's, how do you ensure that people who use malware to break into the system mm -hmm. adhere to ethics, right? It's just computer, it's just a program. There's no centralized regulation or repository that says anyone who codes, you must code this way, or you must code these things into that. So, you know, the genie is out of the bottle. Right. So I think the the focus should be on how are you using this technology? So, you know, one of the, the the real concerns you see is when you can do deep fakes very easily now coming up to a presidential election. Right. That's going to be our first real test of these kinds of tools being out there. So there should be some regulations on what you can do with deep fakes and these things. But I think it's it's ill-conceived to believe that we can establish a centralized ethics because think about just even u.s ethics versus germany ethics versus china's ethics so whose ethics are we talking about here right. and even within those countries there's not a monolithic set of what these ethics are so you know i think it's this ai will continue to, to develop it will dramatically change our world no doubt about it and there are there are reasons to be concerned about it yeah i would suggest sometimes and again, I'm, I'm a fan of Elon Musk, but sometimes his slow down may be let, let me catch up and build my new, new <laughs> link. And those, I'll, I'll be I'll be the overseer and make sure that everything uh, works out well. Well, he did so. help start. He, he did, did help found investor yeah. as well. That's, that's right. right. He invested in OpenAI. Yeah, that's right. There, there and, is that. And to your point, the, the robots that he's building and things like that. So, I mean, it, it's... I don't see anything that can be done to prevent the ongoing evolution of AI. I mean, it's, it's gonna happen. The question is, can we channel that for good? And real, the, the real concern, I think, to, to just society is, you know, Scott, what you described is the impact it has on industries and the people that, whose jobs will evaporate overnight because the application of AI will be there. So when we talk about ethics, I think if we look at corporate ethics and you know, educational ethics, it's how do you help those people transition? Just like they did during the industrial revolution, yeah. you know, how do you create 
you know, systems in place that helps those people, you know, have a livelihood, you know, after as the, as the AI continues to go for these uh, disruptive industries. So, and that leads into the final question I have for our panel, and I wanted to bring it back to humans, <laughs> individuals, right? In obviously the train has left the station, the genie's out of the bottle. So, with that in mind. Dr. Gupta, what kind of skills and competencies do you think humans should develop in order to thrive in this digital AI world? Excellent, excellent question. So, I mean, for white collar jobs, I mean, education becomes even more important. College degree and beyond becomes more important. As someone has said that you're not going to lose your job to AI, but you're going to lose your job to someone knows, who knows how to use AI. So you got to become proficient at the tools that are out there. And, and so I think education becomes really important moving on. So, and that's what happened, I guess, if you look at right, the industrial revolution, maybe 70% of the economy was agricultural. And then today it's what less, or 70% of the people were employed in agricultural domain. And now it's only maybe less than 1%. Yeah. And so the same thing will possibly happen in many industries. And then, but more jobs, there are more jobs today than there were, you know, whenever 100, 200 years ago. So the number of jobs will keep increasing, in my opinion. But the skill level needed for those jobs will keep increasing as well. And therefore, education and, you know, advanced degrees. You know, I mean, I come from a university, so yeah. I'm selling the university. <laughs> a little biased. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm biased. No. It's going to become important, I think. Yes, yeah. So. But at least to understand somewhat the technology behind Absolutely. all this no information question. that's coming out, you need that education right, right, right. to know the, the and, tech behind it. Absolutely. And we might see, I suppose, courses in universities that, you know, teach you how to coax, you know, AI to, in the right prompt direction. Prompt courses. <laughs> yes, yeah, prompt engineering courses. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Scott, what Speaking about of, you? Soft yeah. skills. And well, soft I, I mean, I think that one of the things that I think a lot of people can do right now is just get into the tech and start building things with it. Because after 150 pages of, of prompts and responses, I've, I have, I feel like I have become I've developed a little bit of an intuition on how to speak to the to the program to get what I want, and my prompts from two months ago are are completely they're kindergarten level to what I'm doing now and how oh. I'm communicating with it now. So, um, so learning how to communicate with AI, I think, is yeah, it's a must University. right now. Yeah. Right. So, so Scott could teach that course. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Are, you Are you hiring at the university? <laughs> or, or feed your prompts in a chat. GBT yes. and say, you teach the yeah. course. That's right. you that's there right. you go. Yeah, that's right. You are a, you're a professor. That's right. That's yeah. right. Rob, what skill do you think we as humans need to develop? I, I think it's curiosity. You know, mm. being able, and I think it's an echoing of what the gentleman said, is being able to not be afraid to engage and try things out. And, you know, it, it's different, but it's, there's some analogies to, you know, when PCs became much more, you know, part of corporate lifestyle and things. You know, you could have, people who locked their heels and said, I'm not gonna learn computers. They didn't have the opportunities that others that said, I am gonna learn computers and Excel and all these things did. AI is not gonna be that much different. It's a different scale, but if you don't put the effort in to be curious and to learn and to really wanna engage, then you're going to get left behind. I think it's very well said. It's not, you're not going to, AI is not going to necessarily take your job. It's someone who knows how to use AI is going to take your job. Right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for me, I think one of the things that 
AI or technology can never take from us is our personal stories. So whenever we share something from our past or a lesson learned or a challenge and talk with our heart and talk from our feelings, um, for me, I think storytelling and creativity, those are things that I'd like to think humans will always, always have. Um, but as you can tell, there's all kinds of discussions <laughs> that can be sparked from this topic. And again, be sure to connect with our three panel experts here and dive into these discussions even further. Um, thank you, Dr. Gupta, Scott, Thanks, Rob, for all your contributions and insights and advice and business case studies. And uh, for those of you out there, just want to let you know, uh, speaking of the future, June is a month of graduation. And so for that topic on the CG Hour on Wednesday, June 7th at noon, we're going to look at Gen Z entering the workforce and how can we prepare for it, how can we mentor and nurture them, and how can we grow with them as well. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Huge shout out to CG Infinity. As always, they're people first and driven to transform. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.